And welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Spotify and some of the other platforms uh, we're broadcasting on here at Sunshine USA. My name is Warren Landis. I'm your host and Bible teacher on Sunshine USA, and it is such a great joy for me to welcome you to the program today. Um, many of you know that we are in the midst of uh, doing a study on the book of Romans. Uh, it's part of a larger study going through the New Testament, starting with the very first chapter in Matthew and going right on through the last chapter in Revelation. And we just happen to be in the midst of uh, Romans chapter 3 uh, for this particular broadcast. We've already done two uh, broadcasts in Romans chapter 3, and today should be the broadcast where we finish Romans chapter 3, and then we'll go on to Romans chapter 4 on uh, the very next uh, broadcast. <clears throat> but I hope that you're enjoying this series. Uh, the book of Romans is where Paul is uh, dishing out some real spiritual meat. <laughs> uh, Romans is not uh, a book to be studied by people that are still on spiritual baby food. Uh, there's a lot of deep stuff here, and we certainly benefit by taking a look at it. And we'll do that in just a few moments. Right now, though, we are going to open up and have a word of prayer before we uh, get started today. I do want to mention that I have a personal unspoken prayer request that I want you guys out there to be praying for. I know that we have a band of prayer warriors all over the United States and all over the world, for that matter. But I do have an unspoken personal prayer request that I want you to be praying about. Uh, I've got some personal decisions to make. And these are not easy decisions. And I just want you to pray that God will help me to make the right decisions and that I will make a decision that is in keeping with His will. And... Uh, that's really all I can say about it. I <clears throat> feel like the nature of this matter is too personal to really discuss in an open forum. I would just simply say it's an unspoken prayer request. And I might add we have other people that have sent in <clears throat> unspoken prayer requests as well that we need to be praying about, and we will certainly be doing that. We have uh, here... A couple writing us that is wanting us to pray for their marital relationship that the Lord will strengthen it and certainly the Lord can very easily do that uh, here is someone looking for a job here's uh, a student that is getting discouraged because of their grades and their classwork schedule at school so we want to pray for this person Here's a businessman who is seeking God's help in making wise decisions for his business. And of course, you know, as Christians, we have to understand that everything we have belongs to God. If you own a business, that business belongs to God. 
If you own a house, that house belongs to God. You know, so many times we have the tendency to say, this is my house, this is my car, this is my business, I'll do with it what I want. No, that's not the way God sees it. Sometimes we say, well, I give uh, 10% to God and I keep 90% for myself. That's not biblical either. Proper Christian stewardship requires that we understand that everything we have, everything we own and possess, it all belongs to God. It's God's property, not us. God is simply granting us use of it while we're here on earth. Whatever bank account you have, God is giving you use of that bank account while you're on earth. Obviously, once you move into your heavenly mansion, hey, you're not going to need that bank account anymore. Because the currency of whatever country you're from, it's not honored in heaven. You can't use it in heaven. Amen. That's why the Bible says we have to build up for ourselves heavenly spiritual treasure. Amen. So let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer at this time and commit this broadcast to the Lord because after all, this is the Lord's ministry. This is the Lord's radio broadcast and that's the way we have to see it. Okay, let, let's pray. Dear Lord, I want you to be with me at this time. Lord, you know I have a personal matter that for about a week now, Lord, has really been bothering me. And I know I have a couple of personal decisions that have to be made in the relatively near future. And Lord, I pray that you will help me to make the right decision. Lord, I pray for the other prayer requests that have been called in. Many, like me, have uh, unspoken personal prayer requests. Lord, we have marriages that need healing. Lord, we need you to mend some people's bank accounts. We have some that are looking for jobs. We have businessmen that are seeking your guidance and your leadership and the business that they own. And Lord, we thank you for the fact that with you nothing is impossible. Lord, we thank you for the fact that with you all things are possible. Lord, we know that you still do miracles today. And Lord, we are trusting you for miracles in our life. Lord, be with me as I teach on the broadcast today. Give me the words to say that you want me to say. Lord, guard my mouth. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't say. And Lord, help me to say everything I should say. And Lord, most of all, we want to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it all. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, we're ready to start now in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, starting with verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Now, I want you to back up a little bit. 
to chapter 3 and verse 20. Here it says, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now one of the questions that comes to mind is what value does the law have? I mean, many people believe that today, of course, we're living in the age of grace. God doesn't expect us to keep the law, or at least that's what some people believe. But uh, what value does the law have then? Well, first of all, the Bible teaches us that the law is a schoolmaster. The law reveals to us the fact that you and I are sinners. We wouldn't know that we were sinners if it weren't for the law. For example, let's say you're uh, on the highway driving on the interstate, and all of a sudden you look in your rearview mirror and you see these blue flashing lights behind your car. And you're thinking to yourself, why in the world is this cop pulling me over? I haven't done anything wrong. Well, the cop pulls you over. And he says you're going five miles an hour over the speed limit. You see, that cop knows that there's a law that says on that particular stretch of the freeway, you can't go but so many miles an hour. And if you go over that, then you're guilty of speeding, and that's why the cop pulls you over. Amen. And you may not like it. You may not agree with the cop, but that's the basis of him pulling you over. He is going by the law. You see, if a man is uh, on trial for armed robbery, for example, or murder, we have laws in this country that say you can't commit armed robbery, you can't commit murder, and if you do, there's a certain penalty you have to face. That's what the law says. It's not some man's opinion, it's against the law. And so the law, for us as Christians, is like a school teacher. It lets us know that we have broken God's law, and we need to do something about it. Now, I want you to take a look at something else. Has Jesus really done away with the law? Now, like I said at the beginning of the broadcast here, Uh, A lot of people today have what I call the mistaken notion that uh, the law does not apply to us anymore. That the law only applied to the Jews back in the Old Testament. But that today we're under grace, and because we're under grace, we don't have to worry about the law. But I want you to know that this line of thinking is in contrast to what Jesus himself said in the Gospels. For example, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill That's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. So see right here alone, 
We have Jesus saying, in his own words, I haven't come to do away with the law or the prophets, but I have come to fulfill. And then we have the Gospel of John, chapter 14 and verse 15. The Gospel of John, chapter 14 and verse 15. Here Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Think about that. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So Jesus is not letting anybody off the hook here. Now, I do want to emphasize something very important here. We are not saved by keeping the law, which is a good thing, because you see, here's the thing, we can't keep the law. In fact, even the Old Testament saints would be the first to tell you that keeping the law is a human impossibility. You cannot do it. It cannot be done. That's why they had to have an annual Day of Atonement. And you see, that only took care of their sins for one year. The following year, they had to go and do it over, all over again. You see, the Old Testament believers realized it was humanly impossible to keep the law. So really, if you want to be honest about it, keeping the law never has and never will save anybody. But, 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 let me say this. If we are saved, if we do know Christ as Savior, then keeping the law is very important. Because, you see, the law has a way of letting you and I know what God expects of us, how God wants us to live and behave ourselves. So no, Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. Now another illustration I love to give out of the Old Testament is uh, the Ten Commandments in chapter 20. I was talking the other day with someone about the Ten Commandments and they said, well, preacher, you realize the Ten Commandments don't apply to us. And I said, oh, really? Is that what you think? I said, what about the commandment that says thou shalt not kill? Can I kill somebody and then if they arrest me, I could go to court and I could say, your honor, I'm not under law, I'm under grace. Well, the first thing that judge is probably going to do is correct me and let me know that I am under the law. Both God's law and man's law says, thou shalt not kill. And if you kill, there's going to be a price to pay for that. You mark it down, there's going to be a price to pay for that. Then I want you to look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. It has been said that whosoever shall put his wife, put away his wife, let him give her a written or a writ of divorcement, a writing of divorcement. Now, that was under the law of Moses. If a man was to divorce his wife, he had to write her out a decree of divorce. 
He would hand the paper to his wife, and the wife would have to leave. The man has sole authority to do this. There's nothing in the Bible that indicates that women had the same right. Only man. He could simply write out a sheet of paper saying, Wife, I divorce you. And say, get your stuff and get out. Now, generally speaking, I will fill this in, and this is a very important point. The wife, generally speaking, had to be guilty of unfaithfulness. But still, the husband had the authority to write out that document of divorce and hand it to his wife, and she had no choice but to leave. But then look what Jesus says. Jesus says, But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, save for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. Now this is the King James Version, folks. Now, I'm not going to take valuable time on this radio broadcast right now to, to debate the issue. I mean, I'm just presenting the Word of God for what it says. It says, Whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. And uh, I might add, by the way, under the law of Moses... If a man wrote his wife out a decree of divorce and sent her away, and she marries another man and that marriage didn't work out, he couldn't take her back. He was forbidden by the law of Moses to take her back. So the whole point of this part of our study this morning is to show that Jesus did not come away uh, Jesus did not come to do away with the law, but rather to fulfill the law. If you want to be honest about it, the version of the law as given by Jesus is actually much stricter than even the law given by Moses. You see, what you and I have to learn is that as Christians, it does matter. It does matter how we live. It does matter how we live. How we live is a matter of great importance to God. He cares about how we live. Like I say, keeping the commandments. It won't save you. It won't get you into heaven. But once you are saved, once you do know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, then it is mandatory that you pay attention to how you live. Because it does matter. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all that believe, there is no difference. The righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. 
You see, we're saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God. It is a gift of God. Then we read down further, verse 23. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let me read that again. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, one thing I think that every Christian needs is a good study Bible. And if you don't have a good study Bible, um, there are many good ones out there. I have a couple of them myself. One is a Thompson Chain Reference Study Bible, King James Version. That was actually given to me by the church that ordained me into the ministry. That was my ordination Bible. And then I have another study Bible, which I got a few years ago. It's called a Schofield Study Bible. And in this Schofield Study Bible, which is also King James Version, it has uh, valuable study notes from Schofield. And I tell you, Schofield has some very good notes. Now, you may not agree with all of it, and you don't have to agree with all of it. Now, you do have to agree with the Word of God. You don't necessarily have to agree with what Schofield said. But Schofield does, in connection with this passage, have some very good things to say. He says, for example, in defining sin, sin is transgression, an overstepping of the law, the divine boundary between good and evil. You see? So we find that sin is overstepping the law, doing what God says we cannot do. Schofield goes on to say about redemption. Redemption means literally to deliver by paying a price. And then Schofield goes on to say the believing sinner is justified because Christ, having borne his sins on the cross, has been made unto him righteousness. You see, you and I are not righteous in our own. You and I on our own are not righteous. But by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ makes us righteous. We weren't righteous, but God makes us to be righteous. And that's a wonderful thing that the Lord does for you. So you can see why I love these Schofield notes so very much, and that's why I believe Every Christian needs a good study Bible. And there's so many other great study Bibles out there also. And there's also valuable uh, Bible dictionaries and Bible commentaries. And I wholeheartedly recommend that you avail yourself of good tools for Bible study. And the good news is some of these are actually available for free online. Not all of it, but some of it. And certainly more than what used to be the case. Um, I have two Bible apps on my Bible. 
One is called Bible Gateway, and the other one is called the Bible Hub. Those are the two Bible apps that I have on my own cell phone. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I have it on my laptop as well. Now, the uh, Bible app and the Bible Hub both give you access to other versions of the Bible. And the Bible Hub, for example, gives you a lot of exposure to the Hebrew Old Testament and the Greek New Testament, which is also very valuable. Sometimes you have to take a look at the Hebrew and Greek in order to see what some of the words in our Bible mean. But a good study Bible is a very wise investment. And generally, I would say it's worth every penny you pay for it. But you can also get a good study Bible without paying a fortune for it. You can get a good study Bible without having to mortgage the house. Amen. We read, like I say in verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, I, I remember when I got saved, and I think some of you know that on the last broadcast, I took time out to do a special broadcast and talked about my conversion experience. One of the things that I had to deal with when I got saved was the fact that I was a sinner. I had to deal with the fact that I was a sinner. It wasn't easy for me to come to that conclusion. Because I was only 14 years old. I wasn't old enough to commit some sins. Some sins I didn't even know how to pronounce. I had no idea what they were. I generally obeyed my parents. Made pretty good well, I can't say I made great grades. I at least tried to make good grades in school. I went to church every time the doors were open, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Got involved in the youth choir program. And I kept thinking, God, <laughs> I don't think I'm much of a sinner. But I had to realize that according to the Bible, even at my very best, even at my very best, I am a dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking sinner. Amen. Dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking sinner. Even at my best. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Notice it says all. No exceptions. All have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care how righteous you think you are. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Let's skip down to verse 27. It says, where is boasting then? Paul says it is excluded. By what law? Of works. Nay, by the law of faith. You see, you and I don't have anything to boast about. I mean, seriously, you and I, 
do not have a thing that we can boast about. I mean, seriously, we don't have a thing uh, to boast about. Not a thing. We um, we have um, realized that we are sinners. Even at our best, we are sinners. And God gives us this free gift of salvation. There's nothing I could do to work for it or earn it or pay for it. Amen. Now, because of that, you and I don't have room to boast. <laughs> but now, that doesn't mean some people aren't going to try. I mean, I've actually had people brag about how good they are. Now, I've been around the block a time or two. I've been around the block a time or two. And whenever I hear somebody tell me how good they are, I know they're hiding something. I know there's something they're not owning up to. Because like I say, the Bible says all of sin and come short of the glory of God. You and I have nothing to boast about. I don't have anything to boast about where this radio broadcast is concerned. Because of the fact that this is God's ministry, this is God's broadcast. Any good thing that comes out of it, anybody that is saved as a result of this radio ministry, any Christian that rededicates their life to Christ as a result of this radio ministry, the praise, the honor, and the glory goes not to me, but to God. Amen. And then let's skip down to verse 29. Notice we are just hitting the high points today. It says, Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, Paul says, of the Gentiles also. So therefore, we serve one God for both Jew and Gentile alike. And neither has the ability to boast. All must give praise, honor, and glory to God. He goes on to say in verse 31, or in verse 30 rather, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith, do we then make void the law of faith, God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. And that brings us to, I believe, the end of Romans chapter 3. And that means next time we go on to Romans chapter 4. Now, if you haven't finished reading chapter 3 yet, by all means, you need to go ahead and do that. And I'm also encouraging you to go ahead and read Romans chapter 4 as well. And um, I can tell you right now, looking at it, I can almost assure you 
we're not going to do Romans chapter 4 in a single broadcast. It'll take at least a couple of broadcasts to get through the fourth chapter of Romans. Some very good stuff here. Now, if you have any Bible study questions or if you have uh, any praise reports or prayer requests, the best way to let me know is by email. I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. The other one is warrenlandis at, um, at um, uh, gmail.com. Then I have a snail mail address. Those of you that want to write to me the old-fashioned, old-school way. My snail mail address is Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street. That's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. And I would love to hear from you. Well, until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you. And guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.